With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Rush into Chemist Warehouse today and grab INC Protein. Powering tomorrow today. This is the House of Ats with Cam Luke and John Stephenson. Yeah, most certainly is. Hello, wherever you might be, right across the SEN network. We do it all thanks to Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day. Johnny Steph in the house. We are jam-packed. Jessica Hull. When we're talking legitimate superstars of middle distance running, not just in Australia, but in the world, we're talking Jess Hull. How you doing, man? She's going to join us in 15 minutes' time. How you doing? Brother Clam, always a pleasure to spend oh, another week with yep. you. Yes, Jess Hull, man. I've been waiting so, so long to speak to this girl and get into the inner workings of her. I just think she's a superstar from the day she broke out at Oregon University, um, winning the 1,500 meters at NC2As. I just think she's a legitimate world beater, man. And um, it'll be great to have on the show and pick her brains. i got to see if I'm going to go with this. But my favorite movie, my favorite movie of all time, Johnny Steph, is without... Limits, a Steve Prefontaine movie that Billy Crudup is in. Have you seen it? I assume you have, surely. Yeah, I've seen it. Beautifully yeah, done. So, movie. you know, it's a great movie. When it great comes movie. to Oregon and great everything. hype up movie. Yeah. Long, long gladiator. Yeah, yes. Ali Prefontaine. Mm-hmm. He fits in that mold mm-hmm. 100%. Every, every yeah, time, great. I'm going to say at least twice a year. So, every six months, I go back and watch the 5,000 meters. Do you know what movie fits in there as well? It's Pumping mm. Iron, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, well, <laughs> have a look at you. I can see that Pumping Iron something you're watching on at least four times an hour on rotation. Uh, how's your week been, brother? Mate, not as good as yours. I see Ruby Fly got a win, mate. That's why you're up and about today. Look I, at you. I did SE in track. We had a little bit of luck today. It's good. It's always good. We, I, I had two best run back to back, so we spent five <laughs> hours on air, and then the last minute, bang, bang, and away we go. You've been training uh... for that marathon yet? I have had a couple of sleepless nights actually thinking that this actually come into fruition. So yeah. part of me is thinking that I need, I'm 90, no, I'm 89 kilos now. And mm-hmm. I, that means I'll have to drop at least 10 kilos mm-hmm. to run a marathon. Yeah. I have no doubt you can do it. None. No doubt uh, at all. Listen, I believe in, I, I believe in myself mm. and I believe in you, but it, I, like I said, I need my arm twisted, Cam. I am a prize fighter. That's wow. where my mind is at. I fight for prizes. So, you know, I need I need some sort of incentive to get the juices going for the Steph. I've, I've you know told you this for the Steph. Here we go. And it begins. Uncle Steph's in the house and I like it. Hey, uh, we've got a lot to get into, but I want to drop you my idea first, right? I want to drop this idea to you. And it's not necessarily only athletics related, but I, I would okay. I would love 043398-1116. Plenty of... Uh, feedback off the temper text machine, but uh, you would actually fit in this, right? So I, I will be stunned. I will be stunned if you say this is a bad idea. Every time we have the Olympic Games, we lose our mind over the great athletes. And there are many sports, athletics being one of them, that gets exposure that it doesn't the traditionally get. Yeah, the main absolutely, one. The main right? one. Let's be clear okay, on that. The main, the main one. one, right? Yeah. So, yeah. But this is how I think we should do. If you win a medal at the Olympic Games, it doesn't matter what sport. It doesn't. So if you're an Olympic medalist, right? Doesn't matter what sport. For the rest of your life, 
You get two free tickets to any Australian sporting event you desire. They, we should have a buzzer. Like, only if you've seen in America when something good happens, like it's a bell, like, ding, ling, you ling, like ling, it? ling, or like, like, we should have, yes, sir, like something like in the background, like in basketball camp. So you because like Because I agree with that. Agree? I love the idea. I think it's the least you can do for federated I... sports athletes because there's not much that they get at Olympic Games when we talk about the fiscal reward. A lot of it is purely for the love mm -hmm. and for the emotion of what the Olympics means. So I believe to be able to be respected for the rest of your life, mm -hmm. Uh, I think within the sporting community of your country, I think it's a phenomenal idea, Cam. And hopefully my boy, Matt Carroll from the AOC is yeah, listening. He's all into and he it. Can, uh, he would be. And he's all into it. Yeah, yes, sir. I just, I just think that every time we have the Olympic Games is a continual conversation around, you know, should we, you know, it's always, you know, this country gives this to their athletes and this country gives this. And, you know, I'm, I'm not, it's not realistic to give every medalist half a million dollars or a million dollars and, and whatever it might be. But I think in Australia, there's such a deep-seated love for sport and, and so many of the athletes we speak to, not just in athletics, but in every sport, have a greater appreciation year in, year out of, of what other athletes do domestically in particular. So if you want to go to the NRL Grand Final and you're an Olympic medalist, you just ring up a hotline and you say, hey, it's uh, oh, okay. you know, it's, it's, like it's Ariane Titmus. I, I really want to go to State of Origin. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a proud Queenslander. Oh. Or or I want to get, you know, she's a, originally a Tasmanian, I think. You know what it might be? Or, who, you know, Matt Denny, when he gets medal next year in Paris, he's going to go, you know what I want to do? I want to go to the AFL Grand Final. Hey, uh, hey how you doing? Yep, yeah, I think it's every Olympic medalist, two tickets to whatever event, they want to go to. And if you want to go to 100 sporting events a year once you retire, so be it. We need to have these people on a pedestal forever, not just for the two weeks that the Olympics actually have. So, so let me explain something and add to that, Cam. Please. Um, I will say this. When I won Olympic medal in mm -hmm. the relay in the 4x4 in Athens, uh, when he came back, the AFL did recognise all the medalists, invite all the medalists to the grand final yep. AFL. Um, so this used to happen, but not for every event. But that was only one-off, right? One-off, yeah. right? So... You and I are aligned in the sense of I agree on every sporting mm -hmm. event. Now, let me tell you what's great about that. Number one, most of the time, um, these sporting events want uh, athletes slash celebrities slash influencers at the event to help promote the event. Absolutely. Number two, what's great about that about an athlete, because a lot of the times it's exposure which allows them to get a commercial gain out of winning that medal. Now, if they're around these events and they're situated at a grand final, they could be sitting next to the CEO of Uncle Toby's. Yeah. They could be sitting next to the CEO of Coca-Cola, where then now they can start to learn the, to, to maybe start to create relationships, which then allows them to potentially get commercial partners, which then allows them to get sponsorship, and that sponsorship allows them to continue in their sport, or they'll be able to pass it down in that chosen sport. Then maybe that commercial partner, like Chemist Warehouse, would not have known about the sport if that person wasn't at this event mm -hmm. at the basketball watching the Sydney Kings win another premiership so uh i completely agree i think it's multifaceted on why this actually has has legs and uh, i think cam you, you you've hit the nail on this one brother I, I will ask you this do you think that you and i think the commercial side of it from individual athletes and social media and and the way that influences and the way that you can use social media to help your financial being as well is a, is a big part of that that i haven't probably thought enough about until you just raised it do you look back on your career and not rude, but think, oh, maybe I should have pursued this commercial situation or had this conversation a bit more or maybe tried to do a little more about what you just said because you were a high-profile athlete and there's no doubt that you would have had opportunities uh, to meet with certain people or, or maybe sign different deals. Do you, do you look back and think you might have let one or two slip that you think in hindsight you probably should have looked at? 
Oh, most definitely. Yeah. I think it's, most of the time it's not me that let him slip. It's my manager that let him slip, you know, because either they wanted too much or or um, or they didn't ask for enough. So, um, you know, and then, and, then, and then essentially you take matters into your own hands and then you, you realize that what got you there was running and you can't be focused on the commercial side mm. because now you're running slow. So then when you're running slow, you can't get the commercial side. So this is a this is a dilemma or somewhat sometimes a conundrum that most athletes face and find themselves in, um, especially in federated sports. But, you know, I, I will say... I will say that I was quite lucky in the sense of where I understood the game very, very early and had very good people around me that that supported me um, when it came to that commercial side of my sport and 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 what I was trying to achieve. And um, I think it's it's definitely something where there's a greater educational piece that that needs to be done in in, in allowing athletes to understand the the importance that the that that your hobby and your love and passion for a sport becomes a business. And it's about understanding what that transition is. And and um and I, it'll be interesting when we speak to Jess to find out sort of what that mean meant to her. You know, being in Oregon and being in America and where I feel America really understands the commercialism in sport and teaches it quite early, um, especially within the collegiate system. So by the time you become a pro athlete, you sort of understand. What what your obligations are so um yeah look i i have no regrets with my my career i had some great commercial partners that knew exactly who i was and i and i still i had i have relationships which i which now even though i'm still retired that i've that i'm still affiliated with did you get more commercial exposure or desire for people to work with you after athens or did it explode after melbourne commonwealth games uh, after Athens, not yeah. so much. Like That's after interesting, Athens, right? Is that surprising to you being an Olympic medalist? Um, at the time it was. Now that I know the game, mm. it makes sense because uh, when I'm with a shoe partner, it's about how can this guy uh, sell shoes for me? That's just the reality, mm-hmm. right? So, um, you know, after Commonwealth is when it really blew up for me because I was such a fire. I was such a firebrand um, before. I was so different from what Australian athletes is used to seeing that is funny as much as people thought that nobody want to touch me, I actually got more sponsors because in their heads, they're like, whether it's good or bad press, this guy is going to be in the paper. So if he's in the paper, he's on TV, then our brands are going to get exposure. Mm. So um, we, I knew that. And I was very, we worked very hard on my commercial partners to let them know who I was as a, as a man before, and, and why I was doing things. So a lot of times people thought I was just saying things, not thinking about it, but I was, everyone knew what I was going to do after a race, but I'd let all my partners know this is what's going to go down. Just hold on tight. Don't worry. It might look <laughs> crazy, but, it, but it's good. But because I knew that the sport didn't have enough um, commercial presence, well, at least with the mediums that we have, we don't have talkback shows. We have now, now that with, um, with chemist warehouse and house athletics, but back in my day, you didn't really have that. Right. So anytime you have to really sort of push your brand as much as you could and, um, yeah, it cost me on some side because I mean I had to deal with people making judgment based upon what they're reading, what they're hearing, which was okay. Um, and you know, you have to circumnavigate that when you're young, you take a lot of it to heart. Um, but then at the same time, I knew what my journey was and 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 I was blessed that my bank balance was getting full. Yeah, I had in the chemist warehouse for great savings every day. I've never asked you this question, and I, I assume I know the answer due to the fact of how the schedule of the Commonwealth Games ran in Melbourne, but did you happen to get to the last lap, the nightclub in the Queensbridge Hotel in Melbourne, which uh, went nuts. And I'll be honest, I spent the better part of 11 days over 14 nights at the last Yo. lap. It was the place to be. And I'm assuming that Yo. there'll be something similar when we get to uh, Paddy next year, Johnny. And then, of course, the Com Games. Did you, you wouldn't have got there, right? Dude, I can't believe you mentioned that <laughs> because I was staying at the Crown across the road. Right across the road. And 
because I was staying at the village, but I also stayed at the Crown because after I won, man, I couldn't walk the streets of Melbourne. Now, a lot of younger listeners wouldn't understand it. Johnny who? Like, but you got to understand, like, at that time, sport was very different mm-hmm. in our country. And I won a sprint race that hadn't been done in 30 years. Yep. The great Darren Clark was the last dude to do it, right? Um, so it was crazy, man. Like, I remember walking down the lobby of the Crown and I got mobbed, man. I couldn't walk. I had security walk me from Crown across the road to the, and then they they took me through the back of that of the of that last lap thing. And I had like an entourage. I felt like (laughs) P Diddy. I had an entourage. I was walking. (laughs) I thought I was Puff Daddy, and I I used to have diamond chains and stuff and diamond earrings. I thought I was the man. I promise you. I thought, and I remember like I remember Linford Christie was up. Who's is a hundred meter runner for Great Britain? For those that don't know, he's one of the great hundred meter runners that that has been around. Olympic champion. Yep. Um, Linford came up, was like, "Hey man, I just want to congratulate you." And, I, and it was just, you know, like I look back, it was so corny, but but it's what it's what at that time mm-hmm. I was twenty two, turning twenty three, is what a young kid always wants. I don't care what anyone tells me. When you're young, you want fame. Yeah. Uh, it, it's what you do it for most of the time, right? You want that ad- adulation. And um and 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 I and I certainly got it in spades, um, winning Commonwealth Games. So yes, the last so lap you went there. Was- so it, it was a good spot. We were only there, my mates and I, because we knew someone who was quite high up who was able to let us in, kind of the back door as well. Not as prestigious as you, but definitely shouldn't have been there. And I was going to say, I, I reckon I went there ten or eleven days over the two weeks. Linford Christie was there every time I was there, <laughs> every single time. He, he what a great there, man! There was, there was someone else. There was someone else that was like, I was like, oh man, it's. I don't know if it was Michael Johnson. It was, it was someone else that was, I was like, damn, that's, and I remember it's just like, it's, yeah, it's like how I would have been back in the day if you went to Studio 54 in New York, you know what I mean? And you see Rick James, you'd be like, oh man, that's Rick James. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that's OJ. You know, like you'd be tripping out, you know? So, so it's just, but no, it was, a, look, it was a mad time in my career. And I'm so, so blessed to have that opportunity to be able to compete in front of, home crowd and the lucky thing is um you know these young athletes are going to get a chance in 2026 in victoria um they're going to get a chance in 2032 to compete in front mm-hmm. of a home crowd in brisbane olympic games and 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 reason why we tell these stories cam is not to be braggadocious or not to, or to talk about the good old days is to give in, inspire and give hope that hey this is what you're working your backside for it is really really cool man take away the fiscal rewards out of it the the, the the feeling you get from having a home crowd, the feeling you get from racing in front of your country is is amazing, man. And, you know, and, and I'm really blessed to have that opportunity. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day. This is the House of Aths. We're going to get to a break, Jess. Hull's not too far away. I did have an idea, Johnny Steph, that I, I think this is probably too unrealistic. I don't really like your ideas, okay. man, because the last one has yeah. me involved in something that's really provocative. Yeah. Well, well, hang on. My idea would get you essentially... You could backdate it back to Athens and you would get two free tickets to every single sporting event in the country. So that would work for you. But I've got an idea that I want to run by you next. It's kind of athletics related, but it's got the wheel spinning. Jess Hull, not far away. You can get involved, of course, anytime you like. 043398-1116. Rush into Chemist Warehouse today and grab INC Protein. Powering tomorrow today. This is the House of Aths. With Cam Luke and John Stephenson. John Stephenson in the house. You might know him as Johnny Steph or Uncle Steph or Uncle John or whatever it might be. Third person. J-Bone. What was that? J-Bone. J-Bone as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell you what, you're rocketing up the third person self-congratulated the year awards. What you've been able to do is put, you know, some of the 
like the perennial legends of the segment, you know, the Malcolm Blights, the Miles Fitzners, the Damien Barretts of the world. You've put them on notice, and we're only in the week four. And I'm 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 bloody proud of you, mate. Because I told you, Cam, I'm a prize fighter. When I, got, I do it for the prizes. <laughs> when I got a phone call about it from someone very high up, they said, "Ah, oh, he's putting it on for the show." I said, "He would have no idea what the segment is. That's how he talks." That's how he talks. When he rang KFC in Devonport that night, he goes, hey, Uncle Steph's in the town. Can you keep the chicken on? So I'm looking forward to you continually being able to do that for Chemist Warehouse. Head there for great savings every day. Hey, quick one. Do you reckon there's any chance in either Paris or we set it up somewhere for the 2026 Com Games, we set up, you and I, we go into business and we set up a makeshift last lap where the Australian athletes, of course, are getting booted out of the village, as we know. So we go to Paris, we hire mm-hmm. somewhere, and we, ha- we, we, we re-tag at the last lap, and then we mm-hmm. have the Australian athletes as the place to go Ooh. when they want to let their hair down. Ooh. Does when, it include accommodation, or is it just a place to party? Just a place what? to party. Yeah, that has some, that has some merit. Cam. It has. They want to party, right? They want to party... You know, if you if four years of hard work or three years when it comes to this particular Olympics, yeah. and the you know, and they want to be there if they've got a medal or they want to celebrate, and they probably right. want to hang around for the closing ceremony. And they're going to need somewhere to go, which is going to be a safe environment where they can mingle with the same athletes that they competed against or with in a team sport. And of course, I, I think there's something in it here, John. I, I think I, there really I, is. You know what, Cam? I think you're onto something because I tell you, the last few championships I've gone from Rio. This has been a strategic problem for most athletes because there's go. nowhere for them to go. I will say this. If go you're going to do a last lap, mm-hmm. I remember back in 2004, the hottest part, no, from 2000 Olympics, the hottest party to go to after Olympic Games was the Sports Illustrated party. Mm-hmm. So those that, are, those that don't read magazines, but back in the day, Sports Illustrated was a sports magazine. That's just was mm-hmm. that was the magazine you wanted to be in if you played sport. Mm-hmm. And all the superstars used to be there, Cam. We're talking the dream team which is right up your alley. We're mm-hmm. talking Michael Johnson. We're talking Carl Lewis. Yep. We're talking par- greats of other yep. sports. Andrew Gaze. The Andrew Gaze. He's you not know? a big part here, but he would have been if he wanted Luke to be there. Longley. You know what I mean? <laughs> so so I'll I tell you this. You know, Andrew Gaze was on the front of Sports Illustrated. He was on the cover. And so he should yeah, be. Yeah, the great Andrew Gray's. I'm a big fan of his work. So, Lovely man, by the way, too. Yeah, I think there's something in this. I, I really what, think there is. I agree. I, I 100% agree with you. And I, and I think I think we, it needs to be the chemist warehouse Absolutely. last lap. And what we do, we set up a whole bunch of supplements. Yep. You know, we get the ISN protein going yep. in there. You know, and every, they come there, we get them all rejuvenated. Mm-hmm. And then we have a great time. Great time. Great time. We have to get our main man, Campbell Brown, the wild cat over there as well. The wild cat yeah. would love to be a part of that. Yes, he I, would. I think there's something in this. I think that I was, I've was i been thinking about the best way to keep the Australian team members of all sports being able to celebrate their accomplishments rather than when they have to leave the village, which is already on the uh, on the agenda, rather than getting on a plane and coming back to Australia and sort of being like, hey, uh, oh, there's no one really... Here, like my family and friends are here, but the the men and women yeah. that I worked so hard with and travelled the world with, or or played in a yeah. team sport with, they're kind of not here. So uh, I think that those those couple of days, Johnny, and I'm only going on the back of people like yourself and people who have done it at the highest level. It's a that you're still in the moment. You're not necessarily switched on to whatever that next big event is. There's a time to let your hair down. So I I, I like the fact that you've included Chemist Warehouse into this. I think. How about this? How about this? Go on, You've go been on. looking for an incentive to run a marathon. 
I don't want to speak for Mario and Kemmer's Warehouse here, but if you run a marathon with Mario and for Kemmer's Warehouse, I think they'll they'll dive in and, and your reward why? will be. Hang on. Why am I the yeah. sacrificial lamb? Why can't we just do last lap Kemmer's Leave marathon out of it. Because, marathon doesn't have to be a because, part of this game. Because, you know, to, to get something cool like the last lap, all thanks to Kemmer's Warehouse in Paris under the Eiffel Tower, you need to work for it. And your 42Ks in either Berlin or New York would equate – sorry, our 42Ks would equate perfectly to that. Man, you said Al. You know, it's like you have to work for it. I'm going to run the damn thing as well. Yeah, right. I'm not sending you out for no reason. Oh, hey, the Steph's a man of the people, Cam. If that's what has to be done to get the last lap going, then See? I have to run that marathon, bang, Cameron. Bang, Like it. We might squeeze a break in and we'll get some sense in this show because Jess Hull is a superstar. There's no ifs, buts, or maybes sure about is. it. Olympic finals, world championships, com games, and all the rest of it. And she's just getting bigger and better each and every year. And she'll join us next. Right here on the House of Ass, all thanks to Kemmer's Warehouse. Head into Kemmer's Warehouse for great savings every day. Rush into Chemist Warehouse today and grab INC Protein. Powering tomorrow, today. This is the House of Ats with Cam Luke and John Stephenson. Most certainly is right across the SN Network Thursday night. We do it all thanks to Chemist Warehouse. And as you know, Johnny Steph, mainly yes, because sir. you're on the show each and every week, we only get the absolute best, like superstars. Best. Legit. Superstars. When we're talking major championships, finalists, and then, uh, you know what, Paris... We're going to see these people getting a medal. And tonight's tonight's guest is absolutely no exception, right? Been waiting five years to interview <laughs> this young lady, man. Five <laughs> years I've been waiting to, to get inside the workings of this young lady, man. You introduce her, Cam. Well, Jessica Hull, she is a superstar, of course. Uh, dominant. Dominant when it comes to the Australian middle distance ranks. And we are deep. We are very deep. And she is right mm -hmm. now the head of the uh, middle distance women's ranks here in this country. And she joins us now. Jess, hello to you. Hello. Thank you for having me tonight. For five years, Johnny Steph's been waiting. Have you been dodging him for five years or has he just not reached out <laughs> via the We just never had an opportunity, channels? Cam. We never had an opportunity, but I knew my day was going to come and today <laughs> is the day. Yeah, today's the day. I guess I've judged him trackside for five years now, but um, <laughs> I, I'll give it to him. I don't spend, I didn't spend as much time in Australia up until this year. So um, it's been probably hard to nail me down. We, we might start so let's there. Let's talk about... Yeah, mm. exactly. You go, Cam. I was Sorry, just going to say, let's start there because you it's been a weird sort of last two or three years, but it's not always easy to spend a great amount of time in your home country when you've got so much going on. But you, you spent a bit more time here. The The meet at Melbourne was huge. Of course, you had some other things like the stall gift on it. It must be, you know, excitingly refreshing to be able to do that in your uh, in your home country. Oh, yeah, it's been awesome. I think um, the Australian season was pretty revamped this year. And um, I think, I mean... I wasn't racing when John John was racing, but like from what I remember as a kid, kind of watching him at Sydney Track Classic um, and then on the TV at Melbourne and stuff like that, uh, I think we're starting to get back to those days. And um, it's it's really, really cool to see athletics in Australia like that. I think performances uh, like you have been achieving, Jess, over the years, uh, I think allows the sport to grow domestically, number one. But I think what I really want to uh, ask you and get into is, you had such a great career with the Ducks and those that don't know college and NC2A running, that's Oregon University. And that's, it's really, I believe it's the home of athletics. When, you, when you're talking about track and field, we saw world championships last year take place there. Um, how much did that prepare you 
to become the pro athlete you are today? Because your transition has been seamless. I mean, you've gone from, from you know, I'd like to say dominating at NC two ways, even though you think it was a bit, they, they said it was a surprise you win the 1500 meters, but you've really taken it on. And really, when you, when I see you at world, you have this belief in your eyes when you compete against the best that you belong there. Walk us through that journey. Yeah, I think um, at the time the NCAA is, was perfect for me. It was the right transition from juniors to seniors. And um, it just sort of taught me how to race. And I think that's what I, that confidence that you see when I go to a championship is, is I kind of am prepared for it to be tactical and I know where to position myself. And um, I've learned kind of how to evolve my training style over the years. So when I go to the line of a championship, I'm pretty confident and um, just go out there to to execute. And I know that if I, if I put the race together, it's going to go well. Um, so definitely NCAA was a pivotal to that, like from teaching me how to race in all styles of 1500 meter running, cause you get everything. Um, and also kind of teaching me the different ways to train and prepare for any style of race. Well, the, the great Nick Bedos, uh, I think is, is one of our, one of our, you know, great distant coaches in Australia. I, I remember sitting one day next to him watching you race. And he said, the one thing about Jess, she always knows where to put herself at the right time in races. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that as a, as a track lover and, me understand the sport that's something you do very well um do you do you think is this something you're working on when you go to Doha last week or I think it was last week or a week week and a half ago mm-hmm. is that something you're working on tactically okay hey how do I mix it with the international athletes so by the time world champs comes I got my game plan ready yeah definitely I think um I'm always kind of learning from my competitors if I'm not in the race I'm watching it and trying to figure out what their patterns are and then um yeah just each race at the moment Doha especially it was the first chance to go against the international women this year and um just wanted to take a few risks and um over the next few weeks I've got a few more races where I'll probably do similar things um and just take take a few risks put myself way up in it and um kind of figure out what name some of those is. risks Jess tell us what are they <laughs> let us see inside what's going on yeah I mean when um when you're training pretty hard and you you can kind of see the different pieces of your race plan coming together in training um I think I've got to start to be not afraid to try and maybe take a race on kind of thing like I I the last 150 is probably not my strength but um if I can take it from deeper or take if there's a breakaway and I'm in a different pack if I can take that pack from a little bit deeper maybe I have a chance of of finishing pretty high in some of these diamond leagues so I think sort of just taking taking some risks there with that and yeah <laughs> before sorry Jess I'm very excited as you can see before I let Cam lose you say your last hundred is not strong, but all summer season, I've seen you hold up Abby Caldwell all summer season. So when you say you you mean internationally, when you get to the world championships, you feel there's still another four or 5% you need to win a medal. Is that when you say your last hundred isn't strong enough? Is that what you mean? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, the domestic season was pretty cool. It's always, it's fun to win, but I think what I was starting to see in the Australian season, which was more exciting was I am getting that gear over the closing stages. Um, so I, it is kind of when you take it to the next level and you go to Doha against the best we've ever had, Faith Kipiego, and really she has everything but the world record and I assume that's going to go in the next few weeks. Um, you kind of do realise that you're still a little bit exposed when it comes to the closing stages. So, I mean, it was good to sort of see some improvement domestically, but I've got a little bit to go internationally. But in saying that, if I can counteract that, um, making it a bit further of a run from home, um, it might be something that 
does work in my favour. You mentioned, of course, the Australian domestic season and, and things you can take out of it because the depth is, as I alluded to, and, and Johnny and I speak about a lot, with the middle distance ranks and the women's middle distance ranks right now is, is creme de la creme. It's elite when it comes to major finals around the world. We're talking Olympics and world championships. Do, do you, and you, you talk about in that situation about studying and, and, and discussing st- uh, tactics and all the rest of it. It's an individual sport, but when you've got Australians there with you do, do you, do you swap notes? Do you discuss it much with the, with the other Australian girls or is it solely you're about yourself rather than worrying about what they're doing? Yeah, I think it depends on the situation and um, if everyone's kind of in really good shape at the same time. Um, I did discuss a little bit with Lyndon last year before the Commonwealth Games final. Um, I knew I probably wasn't working with much that day coming off COVID. So I was like, how can we kind of maybe set this up a little bit? Um, but it just, wow. when you're out there and there's, but when you're out there and there's 15 other women wanting the same thing, it didn't quite execute the same way. Um, you, yeah, it's it's good in theory, but it's not necessarily easy to practice, um, especially with the 1500, just tactically and positioning wise, it can be so tough. Um, so I'm not sure going forward, I think like by the time you kind of get to a championship and the championship final, I think everyone's pretty much clear on what they need to do for their best race. Um, but I think to having such a good competition in Australia means that we can race high quality in Australia that prepares us better for when we come overseas. You mentioned uh, that that Commonwealth Games final coming off the back of COVID. You received or or tested positive to COVID at the, at the world championships and you still ran extremely well in the, in the 1500 meter final. What, what was it like? Everyone had to deal with COVID at at different times, be it an athlete or someone just going through everyday life, but to, 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 to get it and test positive at such a crucial time in a major championships where you still ran really well. What was your mindset on the back of it? Uh, I mean, I didn't want to let the Commonwealth Games go. I was kind of, if in hindsight, maybe I should have, but I was like, okay, I'll be fine. It's, I've got two weeks. I just got to bounce back. Um, but yeah, it just kind of fried me mentally, physically um, to try and push for such a quick return. I probably should have just accepted where I was at and um, maybe had a, a longer season towards the Diamond Leagues. But by the time I kind of came off Commonwealth Games and um, early August, I was pretty cooked and my racing <laughs> reflected mm. it um, over the back half of August. So Jess, what does a year look like for you? Um, do you spend most of your time in Australia? I, I understand you're competing in, you know, the international season now from April onwards. But what does your year look like for you now that you're not um, in college in Oregon? Do you still spend a lot of time out there in the States? Yeah, so up until this year, I spent most of my time still in the States, but I just decided um, in April to move my training base back to Australia. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be spending a bit more time in Australia. Obviously, we spend the middle part of, middle part of the year over here um, racing in the international season. But when I'm building my base and um, focused on the early part of the year from now, I'm going to be in Australia. So I'm really looking forward to, I mean, I was there, I did it this year. I was there from September to April and I think it went really well. And just um, the warm weather at that time of year makes a big difference and being close to family makes a big difference too. So um, yeah, it's it's good to feel like I'm heading over to the international season with a really solid block of work behind me. And that's a credit to Australian summer. Now, traditionally, we have a rule on this show, Jester, we're not allowed to talk about the stall gift because the one time Johnny Steph went there, it didn't go all that well. But I'm going to break that rule. How did you enjoy it, the stall gift, of course, being a part of that, that famous running festival over the long weekend in Victoria? 
Oh, I loved it. It was it was awesome. It's something so different to track racing. And um, the idea of like the handicap was, yeah, you just didn't really know what to expect. Um, I feel like I normally have a pretty clear idea in my head of how to put a race together. But that one, I was kind of like, well, I guess we just get to 800 and see if you're still there or if you are there. And then um, so that was a bit different, but it was a lot of fun. I think they did a great job putting such a good field together. And I, I, all of us kind of approached it the same way was Nationals was so intense the weekend before. So to kind of go down there and, and enjoy it and um, then see Claudia run away with it was pretty cool because she's a rising superstar that we have. Jess Hull joins us on the House of Atsall. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Just before we do let you go, Jess, uh, a couple more. I want to just quickly ask you about the the University of Oregon and the, and the wonderful facilities. And I, I do, I tell you this, my second favorite athlete of all time is Johnny Steph. Steve Prefontaine still my number one. Like he's absolute number one without limits is my favorite movie of all time. But being immersed in such a wonderful athletics, deep in history and the wonderful facilities and, and the way that it's set up to go to college there and go back and compete. How yeah. exciting, how fun is it? And how much does it help your career? Uh, I mean, it's definitely given me the platform and it just sort of taught me how to professionalize things and what mm. I needed around me to be successful on the world stage. And um, and they gave you every opportunity. It was, it's up to you to tap into it. Um, but if you, if you wanted to be successful and you wanted to learn and um, grow as an athlete, everything was at your fingertips and um, you had all the resources you could need. So almost too many, I think um, as an Australian, I definitely like, yeah, it was mind blowing to me, um, but it was interesting to see the mindset shift over the years. Like um, you kind of get recruits start to come and they're, they just expect these things now. And um, I was like, I would walk in every day and still be like, oh, I can't believe I get to train here. Um, so, yeah, it was great. And um, it's very, very good opportunity for any athlete. I think um, the NCAA does a great job. Now, I've been pushing for a cross-country event at the Olympic Games, Jess. I, I believe you're going to go the cross-country like, camp. Yeah, I, I am. thought you're going to go the other one. You're going to go. You're going to hit. I'm going to go the, the cross-country cross first, and I, you're you're the inventor of the other one, so you can go there. So, and and you were part, of course, at Bathurst earlier this year, and and part of the World Cross-Country Championships, and you're a bronzed Aussie as well in the mixed relay as well. But I, I believe sure the cross-country, the cross-country, should be an event at the Olympic Games. Jess, are you with me? Do you, would you like to see it? Oh, I'm 100% yes. with you. I think ah! um, <laughs> anyone that was at Bath in Bathurst that weekend would vouch for that. It yes. was insane. And um, but it's a winter event, Jess. Who cares? It's a winter event. Yeah. Well, we put it in the Winter Olympics, and then we have an opportunity to to go to both uh, Jana Pittman style. Oh, okay. Hey, <laughs> we didn't we didn't think of that, Ken. So, no, That's we why didn't. you have smart people on the show. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's exactly. Well, go on, throw your idea, which I do agree with as well. Hit it, hit it. She'll love it. No, no, th th these were both Cam's yeah. ideas. No, Jess. not really. I just happened to do one of them in one yes. of the events called Nitro, and that's the elimination mile. We had Ollie Hall last week. He was an advocate for it. Tam loves it. I love it. We think elimination mile should be part of somewhere in the athletics competition schedule, whether it's Worlds or Olympics. Thoughts? Yeah. Oh, I would love that. I think, um, yeah, Elimination Mile, the more chances you get to see distant stars of the globe, I think the better. And um, if we're also going, what can we add? Can we add like a, a distance relay as well? The four by four gets so much fun, yeah, but I'd love to see like a four by mile or something as well. That would be pretty, pretty awesome. You and I were like this. Let me have my shine with a four by four. Jess. No, Come on, I like, it. Just... <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. A, I like it a lot. It's uh, it's always fun to have a chat, Jess. I do want to ask you though, in like 
So I say after Paris, but maybe Paris. Like you, you, you're so good at 1,500 metres and 5,000 metres. It's not always easy to run these. In fact, sometimes it's impossible to run them both at, at major championships. Do you see yourself in the next couple of years being a 1,500 metre runner still or, yeah, or 5,000 metres, do you think? Yeah, I think um, it's cool to be able to play around with both. And I, I hope that that's going to like extend my career, kind of having the opportunity to go up eventually. Um, but I think for the next, at least through Paris, the 1500 will be the focus. Um, the double is possible this year, but it's not so possible next year mm. in Paris. So I think I'll I'll focus on the 15 and then um, kind of reassess after that. In 2025, the world champs are really, really late. So there'll be an opportunity to play around with both um, Just- coming off Paris. Sorry, Jess. Just before we go, Cam, that's this. This is a really interesting question for me, and 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 I and I think I understand the sport quite well now. Jess, in a sprint event, it's very hard to double because your nervous system, will, well, essentially, should crash right after you expel a, a final in one event. For a distance runner, is it your nervous system that you feel flat before the race starts, or is it your is it the fitness element? Is the endurance element? Is it just overall fatigue? What is it that stops you from going from the fifteen hundred into the into the five k in one or doing two events? Because you see, Inga Britson does it. We saw World Champs. Other thing, he got his race plan wrong, but he saw him come back. I think it was in the five k and and win the five k. Um, what what's the feeling? Explain to our, our listeners what's that feeling that why you can't double. Or why it's yeah. harder to double, I should say, not that you can't double. Yeah, I think um, it's a bit of a different feeling in the legs, like your legs feel fried, um, not neurologically. Like I, I roomed with Zoe Hobbs recently at the Diamond League and kind of was oh. picking her brain about <laughs> all these different kinds of fatigue. Um, but for us, I'd say you get heavy legs um, and they're just like pretty cooked. Um, and then kind of as you go deeper, if if you kind of push beyond that, um, you start to aerobically be pretty cooked as well. So okay. that's why you sort of see these people at the end of the doubles, even when they execute them pretty well, they're they're on the ground at the finish line. Like, okay, what have I just put my body through? Um, but yeah, Jakob Ingebrigtsen, he's just supremely fit. So I think if you can kind of get to to that level of fitness too, then the double is a little bit more approachable. Okay. It makes a great deal of sense, Johnny Steph, which is something that yeah. you and I don't really give on this show. So I'm glad that Jess had time to have a quick chat to <laughs> you us. You and I both, brother. Don't worry. That's why we get the good ones in, mate. On, on that uh, note, we will let Jess go because she's got a great deal on. We, we we love seeing you in a in Australia for a longer time, as you spoke about earlier, and look forward to that becoming the norm. And we look forward to watching definitely. you go towards the world and then, of course, to Paris in 2024, where there is no doubt Johnny Steph and I will be there on some type of gravy train to watch the best athletes, which includes you, do your thing. So we can't wait for that. And thank you for joining us. Definitely. Thank you. Well, Thanks for having me, guys. Superstar. Have a great day. You too. She's a superstar. Quick break for Chemist Warehouse. Plenty more on the House of Ats next. Rush into Chemist Warehouse today and grab INC Protein. Powering tomorrow today. This is the House of Ats with Cam Luke and John Stephenson. Most certainly is. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day. Head into Chemist Warehouse. You can get involved anytime you like. Via the text machine here at SEN 0433981116. How, how great was Jess? How great she's, she's – and this is something that athletics needs, Johnny, and we're seeing more and more of it. Not only can she run really fast, but the personality, the bubbly personality that – and Ollie Hall was the same last week. They attract more people to the sport by being able to speak not just about what they do so well, but so many other factors in and outside of athletics.
Yes, most definitely, Cam. And I think what really what makes me really appeal to Jess is the road that she's taken to become a world-class athlete, um, leaving a family, spending time abroad, whether it's in college, whether it's training with a professional coach overseas, is never easy. Um, and I think you see that in her determination when she races. And, um, you know, it was great to pick her brains and sort of learn a bit more about what makes her tick. And, you know, what's great about speaking to these athletes, Cam, and this, that's the brilliance about House of Athletics um, is – is we're getting to find out more on 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 the intricacies and and how these athletes are students of the game and and what it takes. To, you're not just out there running laps, man. Like mm. it, there's a lot that goes to becoming a world champion. And um, you know, Jesse's is inches away from becoming that. And um, and I, I know I'm looking forward to watching her compete this year in Budapest. I'm sure you are as well, Cam. Little athletes or little athletes are listening to us right now. If it's not via SEN right now on a Thursday night, it's via the podcast or you can check us out. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse on YouTube as well. The question about little athletics and coaches and and, getting some support early doors, right? If you're a great middle distance runner or you're very talented as a junior and Jess spoke about strategy and how important it is in middle distance running. Ollie spoke about it last week as well. Do you think that uh, if you're talented as a a little athlete, the coaches or the the people at these clubs should be trying to instill a little bit of this and and thinking about it from an early age, or is it something that they should just run on talent? And then when you get to the collegiate system or young adult into, you know, senior athletics, that's when you should more uh, worry more about it. Yeah, I'm the wrong guy to be asking, Karen. We, and this our hotline is going to blow up because I'm not an advocate for junior uh, athletes and 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 their success. I'm a big believer in in a young kid yep. um, taking on and playing as much sports as they possibly can, building their skill set and tool set about sport because you pick up skills from every sport and and enjoying the sport at a very young age because junior running and pro running and being a professional are completely two different sides of the spectrum. Yes, the skill is somewhat the same, but as Jess alluded to and, and, and explained, like she's this is a young lady that's been doing the sport for quite a long time and is still trying to understand how to compete at the pro ranks at the top level, even though she's dominating mm-hmm. in Australia. So, you know... Um, to your question, I I believe like a young a young athlete needs to um, understand, enjoy themselves in the sport, keep picking up skills along the way. At what you're saying, pick pick up skills, how to race, enjoy racing, learn to win. That's what Jess said. I learned how to win because that's what a championship is about. It doesn't matter how fast you've run. When you get to a championship, it's about you being first across the line. That's racing. Mm. So um you know and, and and this is something you can pick up as a young kid and um and and it's just mainly I believe and it sounds really cliche but uh, we're talking when I say young we're talking from 12 to to 18 they really have to enjoy the sport because when you start to turn up the dial when you start to switch over into the pro ranks and this is why I'm a bit of an advocate for for college running because they do that very very well where you compete against kids your age you 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 hang out with kids your age you go to school with kids your age so your developmental and your develop development physically is matched with apples with apples as you're competing which is very safe and doesn't kill you when you start to not be as good as what you think you are you can work through it when you come out in some of these countries and you don't have that opportunity you're racing as a johnny step who's 32 years of age who's gone to three olympic games and i'm coming out you're playing mind games you in quorum and crushing you that's a quick way to 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 hamper your 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 trajectory to becoming great so um i believe i agree with you i think skills as a junior is great to learn enjoyment is great to learn did you have a strategy was there a strategy in 400 meter running 
Oh, massively, man. We practiced it consistently um, in training, depending on the race, depending on the mm -hmm. championships, depending on what my weaknesses were, depending on who the champion runner was at the time. And, um, you know, I remember world championships in 2005, I made the final and I got, I came last in the final and got scorched. And I remember I was in lane two and I said to my coach, I said, man, I, 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 I couldn't have gone any quicker around the bend. And when I got to the last hundred, they ran away from me again. And before Commonwealth Games, we just practiced, practiced trying to run 10-7 around a curve because I think I ran like 10, 9 or 11 flat. And we needed to, to order slingshot off the curve in the last hundred. I needed to pick up a bit of speed around the curve. And and so we learned to get 10 sevens, not just about putting your foot in the throttle. It's about how you enter the curve, where your hip position is, how your foot strikes on the ground, your right foot to where it crosses over with your left foot, where your hand position is, your right hand, and how to try and find the straight lines in the curve so you can try and make it a bit easier so you're not fighting inertia as much. And um and and we try and put that all together. But you're practicing that day in, day out from November 1st in winter training all the way at every race around in Australia. So it's most of the time I used to come third and fourth in Australia because I was practicing what I wanted to do at World Championships. Mm. And people would say, oh, John's not in shape. It's just that we didn't want to be in shape in November, in February. I want to be in shape in August. So, um, you know, it's it's a lot of work goes in and it's great talking to Jess because and all these athletes, because you, I think this is the point of, again, I say this of House Athletes, he's educating the listener about what really goes on when you see an Australian athlete in the final at a championships. Absolutely. We do it all thanks to Kemmer's Warehouse and make sure you head to Kemmer's Warehouse for great savings every day. And we are getting out of here. But before we do, Johnny, I'll give you one last opportunity. You can have the last word. And if you want to use it to get yourself more points in the third person, self-congratulator of the year award, feel free, man. You got any last words? The great Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali once said, he, we can. See ya.